Pastor Paul was preaching the Sunday before, and he was talking about David and what's his name? What's the other guy? Saul. Saul. <laughs> David and Saul. Yeah. And, uh, and it's interesting because there's also something else going on with Saul and David. Saul is, uh, the Bible says, well, let's read, um, let's read um, Samuel chapter 10. Now, remember, he prophesied, he acted like another man, all those things were happening in his life. But because he represents your unborn again man, just like David represents your spirit man, the, your flesh man was born first. And it says here in Samuel chapter 10, in verse 22, for example, he hid himself among the stuff. What did Adam do? Hid himself among the stuff. Because what happens with what happened with Adam is he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, according to, you know, according to Genesis 2.17. And so he became aware of the evil in the world. He didn't know that Jesus came that would come to give him life and that more abundantly. So he was stuck in the law, and the moral law was written in his heart, the Bible says. But what the Jews did with the Mosaic moral law is they added 613 other laws to it. So when it said don't steal, it would say don't steal from your Uncle Paul, don't steal from Shirley, don't steal from Dave, and, and all these lists of things, and don't steal his cow, and don't steal his car. And they made all these lists of things. Don't commit adultery with your aunt, your cousin, all this kind of, And so they made all these laws so that you spent all your time consumed with what was wrong. Then you had to wait until tomorrow, Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the year, the, the, the 48-hour day, and then all the way to Yom Kippur, and you had to wait and believe that the blood of animals would cleanse you for, for the next year, right? But, but the problem with focusing on what's wrong is you never get to what's right. And so they were so consumed with doing this wrong, doing that wrong, doing the other thing, that it messed them up. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve, too. That's why they ran and they hid, because they were ashamed. They weren't supposed to be ashamed. They, you know, they weren't supposed to feel that condemnation, and neither are you. That's what we're teaching on Thursday nights in Romans chapter 8. We'll, we'll continue there this week. But like Adam, it says here, he ran and he hid among the stuff. But in verse 23, it says, they ran and fetched him. When he stood among the people, he was higher than all the people from his shoulders upwards. So he looked like, he looked like the right guy, didn't he? Until you get over to chapter 13. Because pride comes before a fall. And pride comes because of religion. Pride comes because I'm not doing it right, but if I can just do it better than you. And I feel good about myself. See, but again, the Christian's not about doing. And as long as you're doing, you're avoiding the grace and the mercy of God, right? So anyway, Samuel chapter 13, verse 1. Saul reigned a year. When he reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul and Mishmash and Bethel. And 1,000 went with Jonathan and Gibeah and Benjamin. The rest of the people sent everyone to his tent. And Jonathan, who did this? Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that were in Geba, and the Philistines heard it. 
But look at this. And Saul blew a trumpet throughout all the land and said, let the Hebrews hear. All of Israel here say, Saul has smitten the garrison of the Philistines. <laughs> Took credit for, <laughs> had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it whatsoever. It says, and he, and he called them together in Gilgal. So remember, remember this, pride does come before a fall. But if you're in pride, it's because you're under the law. I mean, if you have to be better than somebody else, then you've got a problem, you see? Because you're completing him who's the head of all principality and power. Again, you've got to know Romans chapter 7. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from the wrath to come. And then he goes right into chapter 8 and says, there's therefore now no condemnation them that are in Christ Jesus. Now, noon, continuous. Now, there's now no condemnation. There's now no condemnation. There's now no condemnation. There's now no condemnation. What's he trying to tell you? There's no condemnation. And so if there's no condemnation, I don't have to be, be, be better than anybody else. You know, I just have to make sure that I don't get into idolatry because idolatry is anything that's less than God taking the place of God. It could be a boat on a lake. It could be your kids in the summertime. It could be all kinds of things. Anything that's of lesser value that takes you away from the things of God is idolatry, right? But we're not into that, right? Say amen to that. Could be a career. Could be vehicles. I mean, I don't know. I, I just know that nothing will take the place of God. So, so let's go to chapter 16. Now remember this, because when you study this, you'll find out that Saul spent his whole life trying to kill David, throwing spears at him, running him out of town, and your flesh man will do that same thing to your spirit, try to wipe you out. But David, David set out looking after the sheep and writing psalms and hymns and all of the beautiful psalms that we have because they come up out of his spirit man, right? But Saul didn't have that benefit. So, so then it says in verse 11, it repents me that I've set up Saul to be the king, for he has turned back from following me and not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel that night. Well, again, he couldn't perform the commandments because you couldn't either. Can you imagine 613 things that you're not supposed to do? And it's not in the Bible. It's laws that they made up that kept you focused on what's wrong with you and everybody else instead of focusing on God. And if I'm focusing on what's wrong with me, I can't love you. I can't share anything good with you because I'm condemned myself. Again, that's why Paul said, the thing that I want to do, I don't do. The thing that I don't want to do, I always find myself doing. We've all been there. But then he says, there's no, no condemnation, not one, not even one. Come on. Are you with me? Okay. Second Samuel chapter seven or 11, rather, which shows you that you can't slack off because it's summertime. No, no, we, people, I know people have been backsliding every summer for years, man. <laughs> they get to, and, I, and I get it to a degree that we don't get a whole lot of summer. And so please don't take this wrong. I, I'm not saying you can't goof off church on a Sunday. Please, I did not say that, did I? If I did, I didn't mean it because I'd be putting condemnation on you. I'm just saying I don't want anything in my life that takes the place of God 
even in the, so, so anyway, go to the beach, okay? No, no, I didn't get to go this summer, but the devil owes me, so I'm going next summer. Yeah. Or maybe this winter. <laughs> Chapter 11, and it came to pass after the year was expired, at a time when kings go forth to battle, put on the armor of the... And here's another thing, the battle. Romans chapter, or Romans chapter 12. You know, who, where do you get your strength from? Where do you get your strength from? He said, be strong in the Lord. He said in Ephesians chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of... Not strong in me. Let the weak say I am strong. Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How about, uh, how about not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So, so I'm not, it's not, what we're saying is, it's not human effort. It's not ever human effort. That's why he made linen garments for the priests, because he didn't like sweat. He said, I don't like sweat. He, why? Because when Adam fell, he said, now you're going to live off the sweat of your brow. It's not the way we live. He said, I came that you, he said, I'm the tree of life. He said, Adam didn't get to eat from it, but I'm the tree of life. I came that you might have life and that more abundantly. Life, life, Zoe kind of life. It came to pass after the year was expired that when kings go forth to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. And they destroyed the, the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David took the summer off. And it came to pass in the evening that David rose up from his bed and walked up onto the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. David inquired after her. And you know the rest of the message. David sent messengers and took her and got her pregnant and then killed her husband. The progression of sin. But it was only because he was out of position. It was only because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing things, and all these things will be added unto you. So anyway, in chapter 12, we know that Nathan came along. He said, uh, he said well, let, let's just read these seven verses. And the Lord said, sent to Nathan, unto, Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said, there were two men, one that said he was rich, the other poor, the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he said he brought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children, and it did eat from his own meat and drank from his own cup and laid at his bosom and was like a daughter. It came to pass a traveler came to the rich man. He spared not to take of his own, he spared his own flock and his own herd, to, to dress for the wayfarer, man was come to, unto him, but he took the poor man's lamb, dressed it for the man that was come unto him. David's anger was greatly kindled against himself. <laughs> against that man, he said to Nathan, as surely as I live, that man that has done this thing will surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and had no pity." So, verse 7, and Nathan said to David, you are the man. Because I've anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. But now, but now, 
Here's another amazing thing. He was forgiven in the next few verses. Totally wiped out. So, um, so your spirit man, even though you're being led by this. And here's another thing. Like I mentioned on Thursday, the Holy Spirit's mentioned one time in the first seven chapters of the book of Romans, but it's 19 times in chapter eight, letting you know that you can be led by the spirit of God. If you get led by the flesh, you're going to end up in trouble, right? And so that's why he would say in Philemon verse six, your faith will become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ. You acknowledge every good thing. And you do what Paul the Apostle said, you rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I mean, in, in Acts 26, two, he's standing before King Agrippa. He's in a ball and chain, and they're up there with all their pomp and cer- ceremony. And he says, I count myself up. I've been congratulating myself all day long, King Agrippa, because I might have a ball and chain on me in the natural, but my spirit, man, is so free. I've got no condemnation, no guilt, no shame. I can stand here before you today and say, I've got the peace of God that passes understanding, ruling my heart and ruling my mind. Hallelujah. See, that's the way we live. We got to live by peace. There's nothing that you need that he hasn't already given you. Come on, Ephesians 1, 3, I've already blessed you with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. So come on. So the blessings are there. All I need to do is use my faith to draw them in. It's like when Nancy was taking up the offering, I thought, I know a bunch of ministers that are millionaires. And, and some of them I know personally now. But every one of them didn't get money from what they took from people. They got money from what they gave to people. I'm telling you right now, they, they sowed their way into millions of dollars. And then I thought about David, and the billions that he gave into the building of the temple. And then I thought about Genesis 13 too. Abraham was very rich in silver and gold and all kinds of stuff. God's not against the money. The, I tell you, the people that are against the money, the people that don't give anything. <laughs> I'm telling you, they, they'll tear these other people down. Why? Because, because they're under the law. They don't have the grace to live that. I mean, the grace is there. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. The balance of the two. So where did I say go? I didn't say go anywhere. Mm. How about if we go to Colossians chapter 1? Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's easier to see on here. Anyway, they're working on my eyes over at the hospital now. They, the, the drugs that I've been on for two years were causing some problems. <laughs> so, so now they're going to do something else. I don't know what they're doing. Else. I'm just letting them do it for a season. But here's the deal. We live by the law of faith. Whatsoever things I desire when I pray, I believe I receive them, they'll be delivered unto me. So I, I'm not in charge of the delivery method but I am in charge of believing God for everything to be just fine. Amen. Can do all things through Christ, the anointed one. His anointing gives me the strength. Hallelujah. Pardon? It's true. I believe that. So, um, yeah, so, so James chapter 1, verse 1. Is that where I said go? What? Hmm? 
but I wanted to go to James. <laughs> no, no, but I can see to read, but I, I can't see you all, so how you all doing out there? Yeah. No, because, because we're talking about, we're talking about um, the attitude that we go through, like, like in Acts 26, too, like Paul saying, I've been congratulating myself all day long. I count myself. An account is an accounting term. I've made a decision. I've made a decision to be happy. The new smell went from my car, but I'm still happy because the new car didn't do it. The new nothing ever works. No, no, but you think from moving from one building to another will work. I've watched people do that where church is concerned. See, the way you see people in the last church is the way you'll see people in the, this church because your glasses don't change. If you don't change your glasses, you take a stinky attitude from one place to another. And some people are in, are in 10 or 12 churches already since they've been saved. And, and wherever they go, they are, there they are. I take ugly. No, no. But, if I don't, but if I'm the one that has to change. I, I, you know, the only one I have a problem with is the guy that I shave every day. Like, I don't have a problem with the devil. My Bible says in 1 John 3 and verse 8, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. The problem I'm having with is my flesh man, my Saul, is trying to rule over my David. So whenever, whenever my David wants to do something, my flesh says, well, do it tomorrow. You know, I'm going to go on a diet, but it'll happen tomorrow. I'm going to start taking care of my health, but it's going to be tomorrow. I'm going to start, start. Let me tell you something after being around that hospital all this time. Take care of your health. It's your most precious commodity. And if you don't take care of it, I promise you, it'll take you into captivity. That's what the Bible says. It's not God's will. So, you know, get a hold of these things. Read Marion's book. I mean, there's things that you can do that will encourage you to do the right thing. I sit there sometimes, and again, uh, I, I'm there in places having, having opportunities where they tell me it's a year, I have to wait a year to get a meeting, and I'm in there right now. But what I'm watching is a parade. You know, you talk about the health care system, and you blame the ambulance drivers, and you blame, look, it's you. <laughs> You're sick, man. You don't take care of yourself. <laughs> well, the ambulance was late. What would you die for? You know. <laughs> I'm not saying that things don't happen. Of course they do. I'm just saying that I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. What am I doing with my temple? I didn't mean to get on this this morning, but there it is. Okay. So now, so but but now you got to listen to this. Count it pure joy. <laughs> when you face trials of many kinds, because you know, okay, I got to know this, that the testing of my faith produces perseverance. Oh, good. Just been praying for some perseverance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Persevere past the persecution. Penetrate the promises of God. Yes. I'm all over that. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The funny thing is, too, I'm talking about food today, and I was at James and Heather's last night. <laughs> and oink, oink out. A serious oink out, man. 
Jiro brought all the desserts, and I, he always brings these really good pastries, but I didn't think he did that last night, so I ate this big piece of chocolate ice cream cake. Kept me awake half the night. <laughs> no, no, but I'm not used to sugar, right? So that stuff started moving around. And, glory to God. So this is good for me today as well. I, you know, you got to know this too, that the preacher always preaches to himself. I hear it first from him, and then I deliver it to you. I'm just, I'm the delivery. I, this is the pizza. This is the pizza. If you don't like the anchovies, pick them off. Anchovies. How about pineapple? Who likes pineapple on pizza? <laughs> Meat. Meat eaters. There's no beyond meat on a pizza. Okay. Let perseverance finish its work. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature, complete, look at that, not lacking in anything. Not lacking a thing. He said, I don't want you living in lack. Not lacking anything. And then the next part of the verse, this is a continuation of thought. It's kind of like when you go from Romans chapter 7 to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 7 tells you the things that he can't do. But then Romans chapter 8 says, therefore. Well, therefore means the chapter wasn't really a division. The continuation of the same thought letting you know that you're not condemned. Right? So he said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generally without finding fault, and it'll be given unto you. What's he mean there? It means, it means I'm going through some things that I don't understand, but I can ask him for the wisdom to get through it, right? So if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He'll give it to you generally, generously. Because the tough situations that you go through remove your weaknesses, that's what they're for. You know, you're getting stronger all the time. So he, and he doesn't want you weak. He wants you strong in faith. So know this, that those things are happening to remove weaknesses. Because as long as we see ourselves as victims, we'll never learn. As long as you think, oh, why is this happening to me? No, it's, you know, it's either, it's a lesson. Learn the lesson. Learn how to grow through it and realize that when you come out the other side, like, like Marion, come on, you heard her preach the other week on that book. She, and I've known her for a long, long, long time. Long, long, long time. And, and, you know, like, but she went through all that, and she's a much stronger woman than she was before. You know, she had to fight. You can't even imagine the fight that she had. It's kind of like Lloyd Skinner up in the Marguerite. You have no idea what the guy went through for a couple of years. He's up there now weighing 185 pounds, and, and he's got a competition when it comes to smoking. Lloyd, if you're watching, James has got you, got you on edge, buddy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, again, he's another hero. He's a hero because his job looking after the pharmacies uh, he, he can live anywhere in the world, and he chose to live in Niagara. You know, they shovel the snow off the roof of the house in May. And they, he lives in Niagara because it's his wife's home and because he wanted her close to her family. And, and his situation is he used to have 
this red and white store. It's a 140-year-old store where they would meet up at, at 6 o'clock every morning, all the local yokels, and, and uh, have their coffee together. But then after COVID, the place shut down. And even though it's open again, it's very restricted. So the guy's up there now, basically him and his dog and his wife is working at the co-op. But, that, but what, what kind of a guy does that? To me, a hero does that. You know, I, when I think about the friends that I have, I'm overwhelmed sometimes at their strength of character. Hallelujah. Yeah, so, so our tough situation is going to remove those weaknesses, and trials will bring maturity to your life. Amen. Yeah, but they do. Come on, you, you know, go through tr piles of trials with smiles. I think the Moody Blues sang that song. <laughs> because, because victims live outside in, whereas Christians live inside out. Right? Inside out. You're not... The things outside are not affecting you. Why? Because I walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. They sold this building, it looks like. And it looks like we might have to move in June. You know what it means to me? Nothing. We, were, we had a building before we came here. We'll have a building after we leave. We don't need a building. He does. No, but there's such peace in that. And again, it's Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? Because he wants you to believe him. Without faith, it's impossible. Just think then, with, with faith, it's possible. With faith, all things are possible. Hallelujah. We believe that he exists and that he's the rewarder of those, not the beater-upper of those, the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You know why you're here today on a Labor Day weekend? Because you're diligently seeking him. This, this is for you. This is for you. And again, when you're, happy with, when you're happy with who you are on the inside, like I was saying last week, my Jeep is six and a half years old. I don't want a new Jeep. I'm happy with my Jeep. <laughs> I have no reason. I, I, I sat and I thought, after we sold the house, I can buy anything I want and I don't want anything. No, no. You never buy a horse or a boat. I get that. <laughs> you, you, you know. But, but no, but when you've got that contentment, Philippians 4.11, I've learned to be content. You're not, because it's on the inside, you're not reaching out to try and fill the void. It's like, eh, what is it? Just resting in the Lord. It's Hebrews 4.11. Labor and to enter into his rest, for his word is alive. His word is powerful. His word is sharper than a two-edged sword. His, his word pierces asunder the soul, the spirit, the joints, and the marrow, discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So, it, the place of rest is accessible. It's Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, right? Come unto me when you're weary and heavy laden. Why? Come unto me. Come unto the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Come unto the word. The word will bring you rest. He said, come unto me when you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest why? Because I'm meek and lowly, and 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 my yoke is easy, and my 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 yoke is easy, yeah. my yoke is easy, easy, and my burden is light. If it's not easy and light, you're in your flesh. I said, if if it's not easy, 
<laughs> light and easy. Everybody say light and easy. I'm living light and easy. Hallelujah. Light and easy. Hallelujah. Praise God. See, because it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. When you got that going on the inside, the outside may annoy you a little bit. But it's kind of like having flies buzz around your head. You know, and after all, he's known as the Lord of the flies, which is interpreted the Lord of the dunghill, because the dunghill is what smells and attracts the flies. So Satan's kingdom, Lord of the dunghill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Nobody's nothing. He, again, it's the guy in the mirror is the only guy I need to fix. And I need to fix that just by receiving the word of God, looking and saying, God lives inside these clothes. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. He became sin for me who knew no sin that I'd be made the righteousness of God in him. Again, so never forget that life is lived inside out. Circumstances do not change who you are on the inside. Circumstances don't change that. And again, it's Colossians 1, 9, and 10. Or is it 2, 9, and 10? Jesus is the head of all principality and power, and you are complete in him. How about Ephesians 1 and verse 4, that he chose you in him from before the foundation of the world. Everybody say before. Yeah. He knew me before he put the earth in place. You know, when you uh, when a baby's being born in the house, you get the crib and you get the, mo the, the modules or whatever they're called and all that kind of stuff. Well, what God did was he put the stars in place and he, and he prepared a place for you. And then he said, and then he said, on top of that, I'm going to prepare another place for you that where I am there, you may be also. Hallelujah. And you don't have to wait until you die to go to heaven. Ephesians 2, 6 says you're already seated in heavenly places in Christ. You can move in and out of that anytime you want to. Come on. Abraham figured it out. Abraham got a hold of it. He said, he said, here he said, I have no continuing city. There's nothing here that impresses. What he's saying is nothing here that impresses me. He said, I'm looking for a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. He was God inside minded. And, and Paul the Apostle said, said it this way, to me, live, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He said, I'm not afraid of death. I, I don't care about death. It's just another door. He re realized that, you know, there's a door to the earth called the womb, and there's a door to heaven when your spirit comes out your mouth and gravitates to the familiar place. I hope the familiar place with you is heaven <laughs> and not the bar downtown, right? <laughs> How'd they end up here? Well, you know, he gives you the desires of your heart. So with that in mind, um, let's go to, where can we go now? I can't close yet. We got to go to um, Proverbs, maybe Proverbs chapter three. I'm not sure if it's Proverbs three. Let's try that. 
If it's not three, it's four. It's around there somewhere. Yet my son, attend to my words. What does that mean? That means if I'm reading the Bible, I don't stop to answer somebody on Facebook or answer a phone call. It means I'm giving my attention to God alone. My son, attend to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the middle of your heart, for they are life. Come on. Life to those that find them and health or medicine to all your flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of your life. Keep your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart because, because what happens if you don't, it's, it's kind of like um, one time I was flying for a week with Dr. Mark Barkley and we were traveling around the States and he was preaching. I was just traveling with him. And uh, we were coming from Arcadia, Florida, up to Youngstown, Ohio. And in the middle of it all, uh, Brian Senor said, come on up and sit in the, in the, in the, in the co-pilot seat. Well, I, I, like, it, there's not much room in there. And I'm getting up there, like, boom, 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 trying to jam into that. There's switches everywhere, and I don't want to hit anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I, so I finally got in there, and... Uh, there was an explosion down somewhere in Virginia, and he dropped the plane down to look at what was going on. And uh, well, that was really so. But then, when when he when he was done with that, he put it back on autopilot, and it went back to where we were. And I learned a lesson from that: you have an autopilot, and it's kind of like people win the lottery. And then I remember Pastor Carlo had. A family member win a lottery, and five years later, the guy was broke because he automat he unconsciously sabotaged himself to go back where he was. And I think that we do that even where the word of God is concerned. If we don't, if we don't, Romans twelve one says to submit your body a living sacrifice unto Him. And but then He says, don't be conformed to this world, but transform your mind by the renewing of your mind by the word of God that you can prove the good, the acceptable, perfect love of God for your life. You really need to renew your mind because if not, you'll keep going back to the default position. And you, you don't need to go back to the default position. That's why it's so important what we're teaching you right now, that you assimilate it, that you meditate it. You meditate on it and, until it becomes your reality. That's what he told Joshua. He said, Joshua, you know what? We're not having a funeral for Moses. Moses is dead. The law is dead. The law can't take you where I need to take you. I need to take you into the promised land. And, uh, and I'm going to take you to a place where the manna ceases and all those things, and you'll learn how to provide for yourself. But he said, here's what you got to do. Here's the only thing that he said, you need to meditate, mutter, utter, and speak my word day and night. See, the more you put into it, that's why, that's why Jesus said in John uh, 8 and 31 and 32, if you'll continue in my word, if you just continue this, this book will trans. This book is not just a book. This book is alive. This book is him. This book, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is him. These are his thoughts. And we found out it was progressive. I can't learn about him in the Old Testament. I need to go come and learn from the son. But he said, if you'll continue in this word, you'll be my disciplined ones indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the more truth you know, the freer you become, right? 
So if you need more freedom, what do I need? More truth. And then he even said it this way in Second Peter chapter 1. He said, grace and peace can be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of him. So you need more grace, you need more peace. It's through the knowledge of him, the epignosis, the revelation knowledge of him, who's called you unto glory and unto virtue, whereby are given unto us. Now, these promises are only exceeding great if you make them so. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that we can partake of his divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. And then, then again, Peter 5, we quote it all the time. He said, he, he said, I oppose the proud. He said it in the book of James 2, and give grace to the humble. Why does he oppose the proud? Because you're religious. Because, you, because you're still trying to live under the law instead of living under grace. Because you're still trying to be better than somebody else. You don't have to, you, you be you and be, you just be you. God made you an individual. You're born an original, don't die a copy. Come on, be you, be you. So he said, he said, he said, uh, humble yourself that he may exalt you in due time by casting, by casting all so that you can be carefree. We're not talking about careless. We're talking about carefree. If you cast all of your care upon him, it means you can rest. For he cares for you. Mm. He cares for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, he cares for you. Yeah. And then he says, be sober and vigilant. Because you ever see the devil as a roaring lion goes about seeking whom he may devour, but he can't devour you. Amen. Amen. Hmm. He can't devour us, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We can't be devoured. Hallelujah. And we understand that these same afflictions are being worked out in our brethren in the world. But the God of all grace, but the God of all grace promised us that after we suffered a while, suffered the dying of the flesh, suffered the dying of Saul so that, so that David could reign. Come on. After we suffered a while, make us what? Perfect. Tell us. It means totally mature. Totally mature. Go through the process. Don't fear the process. Don't take your problems from one building and move it to another building. You know, cast the care of that on, uh, on the Lord. Because I'm convinced that there's not a money problem in the body of Christ. There's an obedience problem. It's just obedience. If I'm tithing and giving offerings, uh, my problems are solved. I can, I can give my way into any situation I want to. And the only reason, anyway, after you've suffered, I'll make you perfect. Strengthen, strengthen, establish, and settle you. God said, I want to strengthen, establish, and settle you. So count it all joy. Get hilariously happy, my brethren, when you fall into diverse temptations, tests and trials, knowing that the trying of your faith brings patience. And when patience has its perfect work, you will be complete, entire, lacking in nothing, and get the wisdom to go through it. He said, if you lack wisdom, gather it from me, and I'll give you the wisdom that you need to get through this test and on to another one in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. 
For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.